This week on First Issue Club, a double dose of indie, battle pug, and everything. That was good. Quality, quality intro. I did it. Thank you, my dude. <laughs> Righteous. Indeed. Do we say the publishers, though? No. Okay. We never have, never will. Welcome back to the First Issue Club. We are your weekly comic book podcast that talks almost exclusively first issues every single week, and we do it well. I'm Mike D, and I'm here with my pals, Greg. Hey. Budget King. Yep. And Caitlin. Hello. Caitlin, Hi. how are you? Good. Before we get too far into the show, shout out to our new Patreon subscribers. We've got Michael, Aaron, Blake, Ingrid, Brian, and Ryan Ooh-wee is some cool people. Uh, coming up soon on our Patreon. Budget King, what are we going to talk about? We're going to cover a book that we couldn't get our hands on. No. Uh, it's uh, Something is Killing the Children on Boom Comics. By James Tinian. Yeah. And he's done so many freaking awesome books on Boom in the past. I'm so glad he's still doing independent stuff. Thanks to all our Patreon people. If you subscribe to Patreon, you could hear your name read on First Issue Club, too. Ooh. Got a question for everybody. Ooh. How how big was your stack today? Would you how was your pull? Um it was big. <laughs> I never know. Embarrassingly I never large. Know until... It was big. <laughs> I told myself <laughs> I was like say. I was like, man, it's gonna be a really light week yeah. this week because not a lot came out. And not the case. I thought that As I too. I was walking down the aisle, I was like, ooh yeah, ooh yeah, ooh yeah. And then by the time I had to use two hands to hold it, I was yeah. like, God. There was this was a week where I expected to not get much, and then that just turned out there was a lot of little fun nuggets, and I spent seventy five dollars. Seventy five. I kept it around thirty five. You I, did? I just tried. I was like the self restraint. Well, there was some things like uh, what's that Jeff Lemire book, uh, Berserker? Yeah, oh, Berserker Unbound. Yeah. Did you get number two? I didn't, but neither did I. Because <laughs> uh, I was, I was like, I really want to read it. It's four comics. I'll just get it for the nine dollar trade that's going to come out. True. On it. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I don't need to own number two of this. Yeah. They had a cover B that looked sick. Yeah, it was insane. That was my thing. Covers were noise this week. Yes, they were. <laughs> did you see? Okay, we're already off on a tangent. Did you but see? I got to say, um, there was an amazing Immortal Hulk variant like months ago. That had the front was like this grotesque Hulk face that morphed into Bruce Banner's face on the back cover. Yeah. Ever since it's been like selling out and the price on it just gets higher and higher and higher. People are bonkers for that. It was a one in 50. Yeah. Really rare. Yeah. So that cover was so popular that Marvel's been doing uh, the immortal variant for a lot of their other comic books wherein they're taking these other characters who morph or have like a before and after state mm-hmm. and are morphing their faces a la oh, I didn't the Hulk to Bruce Banner. Okay. That's why those were all there this week. I was wondering what the fuck was happening. There's one with like the thing and Ben Grimm and it's like super fucked up to see his like Whoa. skin turn yeah, into like Fantastic Four had four of those into stone. <laughs> they had, they I had not cool, seen They had a Did human torch. We got the Invisible Woman one. Okay. It looked really dope. They did one with um, Red She-Hulk. They did. Oh, that's right. They did. And it was gnarly. I picked that one up. Yeah. That's so cool. It was nasty. Big <laughs> open mouth. The monster teeth turn into like crooked people teeth. Ugh. Those <laughs> covers are sick. Yeah. They're, they're really dope. cool. 
Yeah. So, how, wait, what was your stack? 75? 75. Okay. You were 30? Oh, somewhere delightfully in between. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There we go. Uh, in other news? Yeah. Uh, Do you guys see that Brian Wood is being dropped from Dark Horse for sexual misconduct? I didn't know that until today when you told me, and I was bummed. So he, uh, this has been allegations that happened before, and now they have said enough is enough, something happened specifically, and they are also discontinuing all of his books as well. Brian Wood is a pretty big heavy hitter in the comic book industry. He is. There's so many titles of his that I recommend to people. Even people who don't read comics that often, like I thought Briggsland was something that was a really fresh taste take in comics and something like a unique Midwestern sort of tale too, which like people really love lately. And did a bunch of alien stuff, Sword Daughter, DMZ. Um, he's done a lot. Yeah, he's got a great voice for storytelling. Sucks he's a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck you, Brian Wood, you piece of crap. See ya, Brian Wood. If you want to have a Brian Wood burning party in front of our house, we'll burn all yeah. of God damn it. It sucks to it's have... It's not the story's fault, but it is his fault. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I mean, classic art versus artist sort of I was just going to say thing. that. Fucking blows. Yep. I mean, I I really honestly love some of those books. Like well, some a couple of his books have been some of my favorite over the past few years. And the thing is, like separating the art between the artists, like in comic books, it's really hard because there's a lot of people attached to his books that are getting uh, the repercussions of this. Right. You get the uh, inker, colorist, the publisher, letterer, publisher. Like, not only is he ruining. Yo, Dark Horse stepped up on this one. At least like, the second time they had to do this. Yeah, but they were... Uh, no, I think you're thinking... Or was that guy on Aftershock? Yeah. Uh, no, he was on um, the imprint of... Uh, Giants. DC. Oh, where was Giants? Was that Dark Astro, Horse? Astro I think Hus- Astro Hustle was Dark Horse. Was Dark Horse. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, so Dark Horse... Props to Dark Horse for... Uh, they don't fuck around, and yeah. I applaud them And they shouldn't fuck around. Keep me doing these fucking assholes yeah. in comic books. I don't want it in my medium that I'm a fan of. <laughs> I got I got a couple more for you, zingers. Uh, you see that uh, Dark Crystal is now out. Yes, <laughs> I know. It's my you, favorite movie. I know you're a big fan, yep. Greg. Uh, it's a comic book, so it's somewhat comic related. It's also just nerd related. It has been a comic book, yeah. It's also yep. nerd related. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Jim Henson's masterpiece. What do you think? Uh, wouldn't call it his masterpiece, but it's very very good. <laughs> well, okay, oh, sorry. Takes. Uh, so he would though. He considered it Jim to be- Henson really, really loved Dark Crystal. He thought it was the pinnacle of his career. Uh, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> however, the puppetry in the original movie was groundbreaking. So he put a lot of heart and soul in this, and we are still benefiting from it. Um, what was the question? This <laughs> Sorry, new- I kind of cut on Well, Do I you don't think even- Storyteller was better? Yes. What do you think? I love Storyteller. Okay, I, I thought you did. The Muppets, though. Are better. Right? The Muppets are timeless. That that was his legacy. Okay. Uh, the question is, I mean, what do you think of the new series? Because I haven't we watched haven't it watched yet it. because we're finishing up a lot of stuff, and I want to okay. give it my full attention. What yeah. network is it on? Netflix. Netflix. Is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. all out at once. Yes. Yeah. Oh hey, and mm-hmm. it's getting bomb ass reviews. Really? Yeah. Uh, who's in it? Everyone. Bill Hader's in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Mark Hamill. Um, so many good people. Uh, uh, fucking Andy Samberg. It. It is uh, just as weird as the movie, good. so which is good. 
I terrified do, me as a kid. I don't know where it sits in the timeline, so that's why I was hoping you could fill that in for prequel. me. It's a prequel, so that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> How do this is another Rugrats situation? It is very much a Rugrats <laughs> situation. Um, it's, that's where it's where it stays. <laughs> As a Jim Henson psychopath fan, <laughs> yeah, that's way overinvested. Yes, are you offended at all that someone's taking like his legacy property? Like you could say that he was so closely tied to these things that he made, right? That it's not Dark Crystal. It's not the Muppets. It's not storytellers without Jim Henson. You know what I mean? So I think um, I can see where you're coming from. Okay. But I feel like when you get involved with the with Jim Henson and his like uh, like his producing company, you go in knowing that the well, I, I like to think you go in like having had the Muppets or Jim Henson in one way or another affect your life in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So you want to continue that legacy, um, like he did. Yeah. So it's not like like a direct Jim Henson, like Dark Crystal or New Muppets or whatever, but I feel like they try to keep the tone and the attitude that he would have wanted. Yeah. I think I think if they do Labyrinth, people are going to flip their shit. I do not think they should redo the Labyrinth because you can never find another David Bowie. Right. Correct. Yeah. That's like a double whammy of like, don't mm-hmm. replace right. these two people. <laughs> However, fr- Fraggle Rock would be... Fraggle Rock would be very easy to great, do. Yeah. yeah. So that you... Essentially, you're saying the things he created are bigger than any one person. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like... He, kind of the genius of what he did, though. Yeah. You know, like right. he, he put his... Yeah. It's like Mr. Rogers. It's like, just because there's never going to be another Mr. Rogers doesn't mean we shouldn't and, act like him and learn from his and teachings. Unless and then Daniel Tiger. And try to... Yeah. So, yeah. The show that carries on. The cartoon mm-hmm. show that carries on after the... Oh, there is that? Yeah. yeah. I never knew what the hell... Yeah. I knew yeah. Daniel Tiger was a puppet of his. Yeah. So okay. there's a kid show called Daniel Tiger. One of my in, kids has all bed. of Daniel Tiger's things. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. Anyway, does that answer your question? I'm sorry I'm a psycho about it. It's just I love Jim Henson and It does. All this Never stuff. apologize for being a crazy person. <laughs> it's why we love you. <laughs> uh, I had one last thing, news-wise. Spawn hit its 300th issue this week. I already read crazy. it. Crazy. Crazy brutal. Um, Two new characters? A couple new characters, right? yes. Yeah. Uh, not a lot to say about it here on this podcast. It's just worth the mention when you have when you're discussing comic books on a regular basis. Hitting 300 is insane. Mm-hmm. It's unheard of for independent comics, like period. Because at most you have 12 a year. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did you it, guys know that this is the longest running indie comic? Officially, with I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'd believe it. I mean, over 20 years. Yeah, it's been going 25, maybe. I, I remember seeing it in newsstands and grocery stores growing up. Yeah, yeah. Spawn has always been like a, a feeling to me, and I've popped in and out of the comics, and they've been a part of my life as long as I've been in comics. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people feel that way, where it's like I'm not really invested in the character. But it's always conveyed this, like, attitude of, like, being metal and badass and very, like, the epitome of what's kick-ass when I was, like, a teenager. And so it's always – it's it's cool that it's always been, like, a part yeah. of comics for me and, and it's still going and it's still doing, like, rad badass heaven versus hell sort of shit uh, even in its 300th episode has, issue. Has Todd McFarlane written every one of those? 
That's, that's what I'm curious about. Todd McFarlane's been consistently involved in some respect, but I think I want to say there was a long period of time where he wasn't writing it. Okay. Did, I think. So did he? I get, might be sounding like a complete fucking idiot if you're a huge Spawn well, fan. Well, no, because, well, yeah, if you're a huge Spawn fan, you're probably screaming at us, but we've been in it. I don't know fuck all about Spawn. I know right. he exists, mm-hmm. and I respect him for that. Yeah. Because he, like, uh, the, I respect Todd McFarlane because he loves the industry. But he's getting to that age now where he's all about the money. But he's, <laughs> I, 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 he's been such a, a staple in the industry that I respect the man. You know, yeah. You know what's a disrespectful Todd McFarlane thing? Well, in some sense, is that he bought Mark McGuire's home run ball for like three million dollars. Oh, uh, what do you think that's worth now? Oh, the one where he like broke the home run record. Well, one, well, nothing after steroids, right? Well, yeah, one, nothing after steroids, and then two, Barry Bonds broke the record yeah. like three years later. Yeah. That ball has to be worth nothing. He spent three million on million? it. Million? Three million dollars. The other thing is he did, he yelled at Robert Kirkman for ending The Walking Dead. <laughs> he was livid. He yelled at him? Yeah. Why? Because Todd McFarlane's got like a lot of image money? I they think, are all on staff. Well, there's that. That's yeah. I didn't think about that. He probably has some paychecks coming in from uh-huh. him. That like, you're like yeah. you're keeping the boat afloat. Yeah, here. but he also <laughs> same just, with Invincible. It's like, why yeah. did you stop both yeah. of these? Sucker. <laughs> but I think he he's the proponent of like keep keep a good story going forever. And yeah. so he was like, make it a spawn. You know, like people aren't yeah. done with it. Mm-hmm. Like why why would you end it? There was a thing in the back of Spawn that was a little preachy. That was like pages one through ten are showing you like the history of Spawn, whereas pages ten through twenty are showing you that Spawn will always continue to evolve. And pages twenty through thirty are showing you that there's always a way to adapt and self-reflection, blah, blah, blah. It was like a little too like uh, up its own butt at the end there. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> but yeah, you hit one issue. Yeah, right. I'll fucking allow and it. And plus, I got the cover that was like the homage to the Spider-Man 300 cover. Oh, sick. Which, fuck yeah, that's <laughs> badass. That he drew. Yeah, that he did. <laughs> so I love it coming like full, like huge yeah. 300 issue all about the symbiote suit. And then Spawn has a symbiote suit that's yeah. like, I mean, there's so many parallels between Spider-Man and Spawn, and it was cool to do the 300th issue like that and the homage with the cover. The dude so. can be a total wank, but he's a fucking icon. <laughs> like, he has done so much for this. I've actually, I, I've seen him at a con, and he was, like, pretty enjoyable. Like, like yeah. a, a nice guy. I'm sure he's a in, great dude. And into fan shit and stuff, yeah. and, like, rewarded people that cosplayed his shit and stuff. And uh, I mean, like, he's m- mega in, like, toy culture. Yeah. He's the reason oh that God, yeah. comic book shops are fueled and full of toys right now. I, I, Without him, I don't think they would be like that. That yeah. are worth fuck all. I was huge into Spawn <laughs> toys. Never read a Spawn comic, though. <laughs> a lot of people were. Yeah. I think a lot of times the toys transcended the, the comics. Do you have a Violator toy? I did, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I almost yeah. think he kind of changed the toy game. He made people step up to the plate because all of his toys were very articulated, very detailed. Like, it, like it was a thing to get a Todd McFarlane toy. We wouldn't we wouldn't have like the DC figurines and the Marvel figurines without it. Nope. For sure. I'm one hundred percent confident in that. Let's get this podcast started. <laughs>
All right, let's be weird. What book did everyone like better? We're going to talk about that one first. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Ladies and gentlemen, a fantastic book came out this week on Dark Horse's Burger Books imprint. Everything. Greg, can you tell us who created this book? Yes, everything was by Christopher Cantwell and I.N.J. Colbard. I can't wait to talk about it. It was probably my favorite read this week out of everything I've read thus far. What did you guys think of everything? No words. <laughs> no words? There was not a lot of there words. There was not a lot of words, oh, so yeah. I loved it. I love that in a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> but like but- in a good way, like it flowed. I didn't really notice. You told me before I sat down to read. I had very limited time to read this evening. And so he was like, here are the two. Get to reading. And he's like, one of them will go by really fast. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have very much dialogue or words. I didn't notice which one it was, really, because it was kind of, it had a lot of content. So even though there weren't many words the content was like i knew that the things i was seeing i needed to pay attention to and i needed to be able to integrate into a cohesive story at the end and it wasn't really that easy to do but because of the pacing and the flow and just the visual like the vivid art and just the depictions that are going on that make no sense at all it was it was great i i feel the exact same way like i didn't notice much of a lack of dialogue and the storytelling I felt like was so intense and better for the way they'd set up the scenes. There's a lot of people and characters in this book and you're not quite sure how they're related. And I, I love this trope where you've got these individuals and then their stories kind of collide and come together when you figure out they're, that they are related. And that's sort of happening here. So loved that aspect of it. I think if you had... It's tough to get me to like a comic book where the premise would be it's going to critique consumerism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, go, yeah, go, go get on with your bad self. Keep on critiquing consumerism because it totally works here. This was like if Twin Peaks and They Live and every other B movie was put into a blender and blended into the most perfect smoothie you've with ever like, had. With like, what the bleep do we know? Or something. Yes. yes. <laughs> because it is a higher level type of thing. You can tell. That there's stuff that you need to pay attention to, and it's not gonna, it's not gonna hand it to you. Yeah, it's not gonna be very, it's very overt. This is good. Oh no, you're right. Like this is gonna be stuff I need to revisit. Like when this trade comes out, I'll probably get oh, it man. so I can reread it all in one. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about like the premise of the book itself. Everything is the title or name of this like Walmart esque sort of like super mall right yeah literally anything you want to buy is at this like mega macy's mega sears dillard's type of store it's going to fuel the economy of this small town and there's this new face who's like the manager of the entire mall who has this weird otherworldly sort of like je ne sais quoi i guess (laughs) like they never you never really like close in and what's odd about this person or whether she has ulterior motives or not. But did you guys get the sense something was like mega creepy or up with her? Yeah, Anytime. I think the part where she just sees a burning man and doesn't do anything about well, it. Well, we end <laughs> with that, so we don't really know if well, she also, does anything. Any but, person, any GM who's going to interrupt the city's 
man, like the city hall manager at the grand opening speech to say, everybody just get on in there. Yeah. Is kind of weird. Uh, and she, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm going to say? I think that. Well, I don't I don't know. Okay. She, they have this exchange inside the mall. She's like, what do you need? There's everything here. And it was very like, the way she asked that question seemed very like, Stepford wives, yeah, like right, fake, yes. just like everyone's happy here. So I think I think the mall just kind of appears, and people just kind of assume it's there. So it could have the mall itself could have arter, ul- ulterior motives. Ooh, uh, sentience. Okay, and I freaked out when I read the write up yep. in the back of this, yeah. yep. where he compares it to The Shining. Yeah, he's yes, like, yeah, he's like the mall is the hotel, and. You're someone who has the shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and it's like, do you ever just like realize like you're just buying stuff and you don't know like what kind of like verse you're in or <laughs> yeah. whatever? Are there ever just crickets in your toys and or then, us? And yeah. then his last question, like, even if this all is true, do you keep shopping? And it's like, well, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> what is yeah. wrong with you? You can't uh, not shop. It's such a brilliant um, premise. So, like a scary, creepy. I love but it. But entertaining yeah premise we uh this i don't think we said this it's set in it's set in 1980 i think yes um which makes it more interesting in some ways so one theme that has been popping up a lot i mean even in the last three or four months in comic books um there was the mall mall this and then stranger things is all set in in a mall i think the collective consciousness of nerd culture has finally understood that the mall was a thing that happened it's a hub yeah and that it like now we've moved on to like I guess outdoor malls and online shopping and shit like that. Right. So it was definitely like a relic. Uh, but we generationally, everybody on this podcast experienced malls. Totally um, defines a time of my life. Yeah. Yeah. But for sure, you guys have any uh, mall stories in your life that stand out? Um, as a kid, I used to steal CDs. From, Did you really? From what? Goodies. Ooh. You really would. Steal I never would have guessed. Like. Well, not Me like either. not like all the time, but I remember stealing two specifically. Which ones? Um, it was the soundtrack to South Park. Okay, bigger, longer, and uncut. <laughs> oh my god! The soundtrack. Oh my and god. it was uh, uh, <laughs> Kid Rock, Stone Cold Pimp. No. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> yes. So you were stealing it wasn't things even, you would it wasn't never even, have uh, admitted to cowboy. even owning. That's what the name is. Cowboy. How much of that song can you sing? Go. Uh, none. <laughs> really? Well, I'm a packing up my bags. And I'm going to the store <laughs> to get some groceries <laughs> for my wife and my kid. <laughs> he wants celery, and I think that's strange, so I bought him some candy, and I kissed his mom on the lips with my lips. You know what's kind of freaky. <laughs> that took a turn for the, tr- for the truth. <laughs> kid <laughs> rock. You devolved even to the part that you didn't know you forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's I did. Uh, we were, I was like pressured into stealing. You were pressured into this. Well, this that, wasn't something that you did. Well, yeah, but like that, I feel like that was uh, just a thing that happened in the nineties. Yeah, you went and hung out in the mall. I you didn't supervise. I didn't have a lot of money back anything. in my day. No, you never stole lip gloss or anything. No, because I was a poor kid at richer schools, and they always made me feel like I was like I, there was no stealing because they didn't. They always had the money to do so, and I just was oh. like, "Gonna be embarrassed that I couldn't buy the lip gloss." But See, I was, I was poor steal with it. poor friends <laughs> who loved Kid Rock. 
we uh, we pooled a bunch of money together and bought uh, barbed wire. Uh, the Pamela Anderson movie that has one. Oh, I thought one, it was like, did she like break into like a Lowe's? No. Yeah. It has like one nudie scene and we would share each month you know, a different uh, friend of ours would get to keep it. Now, did you guys watch this collectively? Or like, no. Okay, thank God. <laughs> it was like a Sisterhood what of the Traveling Pants yeah. scenario just yep. with barbed wire. So That, that was, nudie scene must have not been very good. I don't think it was that good, but. Isn't that movie like PG-13? I think it's R. Oh, for nipple? Yeah. I was like, we got to got past the system. Is uh, that what it is? Was it nipple or was it like butt cheek? Uh, it wasn't Giner Town. <laughs> I don't think it would be oh. R if it was Giner Town. All right, we're cutting all this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's got another story? No, thanks. Uh, do you guys remember Orange Julius's? <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. You have a story? Um, they still exist. I, every time I think of it, I think of my stepfather. He was like, you got to try this Orange Julius. And it tasted like a piece of shit. He also is a piece of shit. So There we go. Full circle. <laughs> do you know what I think? We got, can we end the show now? <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I think that the malls have turned into? What? Uh-huh. Is the airports are the new malls. I feel like, like they're, yeah. they're going to go away because I was just thinking about the only time I see an orange Julius is in an airport mm-hmm. now. Oh uh, yeah, and I feel like that's the only time where you've got people milling around, ambling with nothing Captive to do, audience. trapped yeah. because people don't go yeah. to malls now because people just sit on their phones now in the comfort of their own homes and buy stuff. Yeah. The malls are like, my home now. When you're at an airport, that's like the only time these like brick and mortar establishments can like get to you. Still, you put a hot top in an airport, and oh, I'm boy. there, baby. <laughs> Yeah. So wait, hold on. We've we've all told our stories. Mike D. So I'll say that my mall experience either boils down to one of two things, one of which is like Sam Goody record stores. Like when I was when I was younger, that was like my dream job to work at like the Sam Goody or something. And I had a buddy, Rob Schulte, also a podcast nerd who has a couple of great shows. Um, Google him. Um and if you dare, if you dare, <laughs> beware. <laughs> um, and I went into the Sam Goody one day, and he was just like, "We actually need somebody. If you filled out an application right now and brought it back, you'd probably get a job." And I was like, "Oh, awesome!" And I went down to the food court, and I was—I'd never had a job before, and I was too scared. Oh no! And I was like, I don't have time today. And I, I never filled it out. <laughs> Bummer. Um, but I used to hang out and just like loiter at, at this record store for so, so long. Um, and then I looked older than all of my friends. I like had facial hair in high school and uh, male pattern baldness <laughs> at a very young age. So you had to be 18 years old to trade video games in for, like, store credit or for, like, the get a new game. Uh, So my buddies would always call me up and be like, you know, the new Metal Gear Solid game came out, so we're all putting our PlayStation games together and we're going to trade them in, and you're the only one that they might not ID. And so they'd send me in, I'd trade in a bunch of games and get the new game. So funny that they had an age restriction. I think I think it's because it's like if you're 14, you're like, oh no, I didn't mean to give you my Nintendo. Mm. I don't care. I'd, I'd be a tough <laughs> manager on that one. You've probably got parents that would be super pissed too to say like, you just traded eight games, yeah. i.e. like five hundred dollars <laughs> right. worth of video games <laughs> right. for a one new game. Yeah. yeah. One. Gavin, go to your room. <laughs> So there's that. I can't remember if Kai worked at Hastings for quite a while. I can't remember if um, we had that restriction or not. 
I'm pretty sure we had that for like even, this is not interesting, but like even books. Like I don't know why that would have. <laughs> that makes it funnier than there's an age restriction for books <laughs> to turn like the to you want come knowledge. I think it has to do with the fact that like you're not actually financially. Mm-hmm. You're a you're a minor. You're not. I mean, unless you're emancipated, we don't know what this kind of. I'm picturing transaction a is little kid with coffee ground beard yes. who's yes. coming in just like I'm thirsting for more knowledge. <laughs> I've no money. To... I'd like to trade in these boxcar children books. <laughs> I need the new John Grisham. <laughs> cool, great mall convo. Uh, Let's get back to the book. One thing I wanted to bring up was a, an extension of the conversation that got us here is that she asked the guy what what does he want to buy today? And he says, well, I need some bug spray because you see a bunch of ants at his house earlier. And she said, she says, oh, you would be attracting bugs because you're so sweet. Mm-hmm. And then they clip to that flashing in his brain later when he's sleeping and he wakes up and then it's a zoom in shot on his crotch and he's got a boner. He's chubbing up. <laughs> I love boners. <laughs> it's weird that bring, they focused on that. Why would they? They went out of their way. To it could go. have also just been a, like a morning wood, like you woke up. Well, I well, think what? it's something that like she's getting into his mind. Yes, yeah. that's kind of what I thought too. Yeah, at least we know it's fertile. It kind of leads to her that kind of mystery around her. Yeah, what kind of effect she and the store have on people? Um. So I think it's safe to say we all loved this book. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. right? Correct. I have one hesitation. Okay. And it, it it's it's very unsettling for me. It's making me very unclear about this book. It's on the Burger Books imprint. When's the last time you saw a Burger Books like series come to an end? Oh, that's a good question. Has anyone seen any fucking new issues of Seeds? No. That was a Burger Book. Was it? How long did they uh, go? I, I'm pretty There's, sure they're supposed to be four. I think Seeds completed. I could be wrong. Okay, because I yeah. haven't seen, I didn't see it on the show. Okay. Well, it wasn't like Girl in the Water. Yes, was a Burger Books, mm-hmm. Hungry Ghosts, which Anthony Bourdain died. So yeah, that was just I don't think know how you're going to finish series, that one. So yeah, but I mean this this book knocked my socks off. Fuck yeah! And I really wanted to just keep the momentum and like finish out. So may, maybe I would say to our listeners who enjoyed this, this may be one that you put on your list mm-hmm. because it seems like the burger imprints don't get reordered a lot. Yeah, small and printings. Yeah, so they do smaller printings than a normal dark horse book mm-hmm. and your store might not get it after a first issue if they don't know you want it. Right. And I think this is one worth getting. I want to know what happens to that like alcoholic God, like yeah. mortgage saleswoman like her character is insane to what me is she, what was she doing at the beginning where she's like stay still and there's like blood on her face did you oh what was that so that's that like a, a flashback fla- that's well i thought it was a flash forward i thought it was like this is something that happens in the future is yeah, she wearing a, a um a shirt An that EMT she works shirt. in the store oh okay i See, thought i thought that's who she was I thought it was like an EMT thing, like she lost someone as an EMT, and that's why she's so fucked up now. Oh. And, and sells real estate. You know what? You're right, I think. That's what that's what I got. Let's crack it open. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm not comfortable. I think of her as the main character. She will be. 
she's think. so I don't see how she's gonna intriguing. Come into it all, her breakfast was a raw for, egg and vodka. Except yes. for the guy who hits on her at the bar, who then she sees spray painting. Then she has that weird. Oh, thing. he's the he's the uh, he's, he's the, the small business owner. Yeah, he's yeah. the audiophile. Right. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I think this is. A you like Toto? <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you think it's the music that she hears in her car that takes her? I loved that. I loved that they didn't. That sequence that, like, was nuts. That they just break. showed the music. They didn't actually play the yeah. song. Yeah. That's super smart. So he's not part of the mall? The no. stereo guy? Uh-uh. All right. The mall's going to put him out of business. Yeah. For sure. The mall broke his fucking windows. It's The Shining. Yeah, what happened there? That was a crazy scene. It's never explained. Right. Every window in his fucking... Uh, we'll find out. I love shop that. Shop blew out. So one of the things that gets me is like, so mall general manager is shocked by the on-fire guy. Mm. So mm. part of me wonders how in the think, know she is on all this freaky mall shit. I think she sets him on fire. Look at her pupils. One of them goes... Oh, wait. Is it just because she sees him in one of the pupils? I think, yeah, that's just bouncing off her eye. She's like, what's in the distance? Sees fire. Yeah, because she turns the corner and he's okay. already on fire. I think anyway. It's a weird shot to have one of her her pupils like yeah. illuminated by the fire. I, th- I kind of hung on that panel, too. It was very striking. Well, and I, Maybe that was the purpose. It's, and was that the homeless guy? With the cover. Was that the homeless guy from the beginning? Oh yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Where he was just like the, the, the air lasers. is on fire today. Yeah, the air. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was overheating. Oh, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was truly on fire. I'm gonna read this several more times, and I can't wait for the second one. Yep. Endorsed. It has a lot <laughs> of. Uh, Pick of the week. Thick of the week. Thick of the week. Oh, I like that. We're all doing devil horns with our hands. <laughs> That's how much we liked it. Moving on. Yep. Next. Friends. Let's discuss... Battle Pug out on Image Comic Books. This is actually a pre-existing thing. Uh, there was like a graphic novel or a, a web comic that turned into a graphic novel um, that has the tales of Battle Pug and this guy who rides the Battle Pug. What did they call it? The Compugduum? Compugduum? It's his name? It's like a compendium, oh. but with Pug in it. I thought you were talking yeah. about the actual yes. guy's Compugdium. name. Compugdium. Compugdium. Yeah. It's yes. like all of the web comics put together. In any case, I don't know who the creators are. I'm assuming it's just this one guy, Mike Norton. And he has the team. He, he has done a ton of shit. Yeah. You, has he? Yeah. Like Can a, you rattle some things off? I mean, he did the write-up in the back that says all of them, like Grumble. That's mm-hmm. right. He is in Grumble. He talks about being the pug guy. <laughs> and how he really didn't want to be, but now he's just going to embrace it. All right, Because cool. he keeps writing stories with pugs in them. He's a um, pugist. So you're the dog now, man. The curse. <laughs> the curse is about a pirate with a pug. Does he say that he owns a pug? Uh, so he did Revival. He did a Superman run. He did Young Avengers. He's an artist as well, so he this is some of his artwork. He's done a Micronauts. He's done a Shield book. He's done an Atom book, a Booster Gold book, a Shazam book. It Girl, 
Grumble. Um, he's done some Valiant shit. Um, Teen Titans Go, Young Justice, Fear Itself stuff. So he's seasoned. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's been well ingrained. Oh, Brilliant it. Trash he was on. I think okay. what Greg was trying to do was get you to stop reading comic book titles. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Could have gone, gone on forever. Hey, uh, BK, do you want a button with my face on it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, if you listen to the Patreon episode, you'll right. get that yeah. reference. <laughs> Yeah, so he's seasoned. So this comic book is very much just a, like, you get what you see. It is a <laughs> uh, Conan the Barbarian riding a pug. And it sold, I, I have to imagine, fairly well. It was a hardback book. The um, co- the font for it looked like really fucking metal. And then it's like, you know, this super muscular barbarian-looking dude riding a pug. And that, that juxtaposition carried a lot of it. Like, it was... It was, a, it was big, like, I would see shirts of it at cons a lot, and, like, a lot of fandom, like, around it. And so now it's, like, coming back after that. Yep. This was an auto-buy for me just based on the cover. Yeah, it's cute. I'll never need to buy it again. Uh, like, the next issue? Nah. You think you got it? Like I it was, think I'm, I got yeah. it. Yeah. I, I found myself being a little confused as to who this was for. Because a lot of the characters seemed like they would fit in... Um, YA or maybe even more children's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, more children's style. But then you have clearly a Trump and Putin scenario, and then you have a tiny child who is cursing, yeah, all the time, just I, with it like kind of redacted. So I, I think it works really well in like a web comic form. If you were into these like ideas and kind of into like Reddit culture and stuff and wanted to see your jokes on display, yeah. you could come back, you'd see the webcomic, and it would, like, be a f- your fun fandom thing. I think as an actual, like, print comic, you're totally right. Like, the jokes don't land as well. Cussing kid, like, kind of just, like, throwaway Trump thing. Like, it doesn't, the it's, comedy yeah. doesn't stick well, to then you. It's heavy-handed. Like, and then it's like it, yeah. they're going to go fight Santa. Right. Like, and so I was like, you know, I I think one of these things, one or the other, if they were just, I think leaving them separate instead of that juxtaposition might have been better for me in terms of a story I'm looking for. But it almost seemed like it was like a, a parody comic book. Like it was just like a, a, a silly critique on which, like the zeitgeist of like the things that are happening in which, our It's lives. like Mad, Mad Magazine. Yeah. But yeah. I, right. It's but like think, this could have been like a three-page thing in Mad. I think that speaks to his point, too, just of, like, it's not necessarily a parody. It, it may just exist better in a different form. Yeah. I mean, I, for what it was, I enjoyed it. <laughs> you don't the have to sigh. Artwork was great. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like doing this to books because it was just, like, clearly it was for somebody. It wasn't us. I, I think yeah, like, it's battle pugs. It's not taking itself that serious. I don't right. think so either. I, right. I think early, early on it won like an Eisner and, mm-hmm. and some awards on, on web comics. It has a big fan base. I think as a shirt, it's fucking rad. Yeah. yeah. As like a cover, it's fucking rad. I think like inside the book, you, you got Conan the Barbarian riding a giant uh, pug. And it's like, that's about what it is. You have some like auxiliary characters, kid that cusses a little bit. And, you know, it doesn't go much further than that. It almost seems like he wanted this to be like his goon, like Eric Powell's goon. Like he yeah. wanted this to just like catch fire with people. 
Well, I think it already has. I think that yeah. was my problem for this, is this is not a jumping on point. There's a deep back history. Correct. Yeah. You got like a one paragraph primer yeah. to throw you in, and I agree, that wasn't enough for me. The, the end story, I kind of dug. Yeah. The cursing kid is getting powers and kind of learning how to do cool things, and you find out she's going to be this, like, badass person. Yeah. I was into that the primer leading up to that of the story before. I just don't think you can jump right in where they've dropped us. So you tell me this comic doesn't sell you on getting the compugium? <laughs> I almost think it works better as like a fun, long trade thing. It's 23 bucks. The compugium? The, com- the com- compugium. I, I'll give credit where credit's due. In 2012, I think this was like kind of risky and fun. There's a lot of things that are like kind of like weird and like metal crossbreeds now you're right that it doesn't necessarily like land as well as it did then right um i remember like one specific thing uh chu did like an homage and had a character uh wear a battle pug shirt oh Uh, right (laughs) they do kind of pepper it into image books weirdly like there was like a thing in invincible where he had a battle pug shirt on it was really strange yeah I, so I think that, like, image itself was really, like, yeah, Battle Pug. I mean, it does, like, it's, I would own a Battle Pug shirt, mm-hmm. like, or a poster or whatever. I think there is a charm to it. Like, I even just reading it yeah. and not really maybe understanding the fandom just by this one book alone, there is a charm to it that you're left with. I think it's some people's, like, deeper dive, more adult adventure time. I could absolutely see that. In like I was thinking, I was thinking about pretty violent, but with sh- swears or whatever. That's I was interested to get mm-hmm. your take on this book because this seemed like uh, just another step from that. It yeah, it did that that comic felt a little bit more aware, mm-hmm. like self aware of itself and and being like you know we're just a violent YA book. Right. This didn't seem as aware of like knowing that it's a that it's a. Alt YA book. I think, so, I think one of the problems was too is like for all four of us who heavily read also image comics, we have no idea of the backstory of this, just that it's a thing that exists. Yeah. It didn't want to let go of its pre existing characters. And it's kind of like, okay, then own it. Like you're you're not making a jumping on point, you're just making a sequel. This yeah. is a sequel to Battle Pug. Right. And like and that's not I didn't want that. No, because I don't, yeah, you can't do a new jumping on point and have a bunch of asterisks in the first, like a barely a, a primer mm-hmm. and then an asterisk. Just to name it Battle Pug me, 2. To tell me to buy yeah. some Pug DM. Had this been Battle Pug 2, we, honestly, we probably wouldn't have covered it. Yeah. Because we would have been like, oh, it's a pre-existing entity that we don't know about that other people care about. We try not to cover those. But I would have respected you more. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'll, hey. I will say this. This was... Far more entertaining than Berserker Unbound. And it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a way better time reading this than Berserker I Unbound. I would 100% agree. It's like Berserker with Lockjaw. <laughs> oh, I would totally read that. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like I mean, Lock, Lockjaw is one of the best Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you just throw him into anything. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't, like... Uh, Demolition Man. Miss Marvel riding him for a while. Yeah, they were buddies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the best Miss Marvel run. Like that kind of shit. Like, I love it. Yeah. That's like when she was first discovering she had powers. Like she uh, became very close with the Inhumans because she found out she was one. Right. And she really uh, clung to. Uh, oh, yeah. I always forget she's an Inhuman. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a sweet story. Just he was wrestling her own around. He was pug for a while. 
Yeah, him and Battle Pug were war buddies. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you like it better, put a little tuning fork on the front of Battle Pug's <laughs> nose on every single panel and <laughs> and uh, call it a call it a day. Signing off. <laughs> Don't forget to uh, rate and review us. Five stars, five stars, uh, my loved ones. And uh, check us out on Patreon. If you do so, we're giving out some of those zines, baby. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T.